Welcome to the Law of Startups podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being on the show today. Uh, today, we're lucky to have with us Nathan McDonald. Uh, Nathan is the CEO of Kretsu Capital and the chair of the Kretsu Forum Northwest. Uh, Nathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Great to be with you. Yeah. So for those of you who in the audience who don't know the Kritzu Forum, hey, why don't you, Nathan, why don't you give us a summary of kind of what you guys do? I think most of our audience is familiar with it, but it's also always good to hear because each of the English groups town is a little bit different and it's nice to hear kind of how you guys think of yourselves. Sure thing. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate the chance to be with you and uh, all the great work you guys do in the community and uh, getting a chance for people to uh, hear more and learn more. We're all about education. Uh, Koretsu Forum is the largest angel investment group in the world. We're also the second most active venture investor in the United States, fifth globally last year. So it's a very large organization of uh, members and chapters in different regions around the world. Uh, I run the Northwest region with my partner Sherry, and we have a team of about 10 people that organize all the events and activities for our members on a monthly basis. Uh, so like most angel groups, we do screening, we do due diligence, our members invest, and then we do syndication. But we do a lot of that from within our own organization because we have uh, so many members and chapters within our groups. And then we work with other angel organizations as well. So uh, we're a very professionally run group. We always try to implement best practices and improve our, our quality of deal flow and quality of uh, investor participation and support for our companies. And a couple years ago, we launched our Kretsu Capital, which is our fund management group on top of our Kretsu Forum membership organization. And then that's uh, really taken off. And we've had a chance to close two co-investment funds and uh, just getting started on a real estate fund now as well. So uh, it's been a fun 15 years just on my background that I've been involved in the angel community and worked with uh, uh, folks here locally and, and around the country in the angel movement. And so it's been a terrific place to be here in Seattle great place to be an entrepreneur, a great place to raise capital. So the Northwest region, that's Seattle, Portland, Boise? Tacoma, Vancouver, uh, Kirkland, yeah, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and British Columbia is okay. our area that we operate in. Okay. So the, the BC, did it recently join the group, or has it been a member of the group for a long time? Yeah, we've had British Columbia for a long time. Okay. Uh, we launched the chapter there about uh, four years ago, and that's been terrific. Okay. Uh, great ecosystem there, uh, terrific fun group of members, and the cross-border investing has just not really been an issue for us, although the local companies in Canada benefit from a lot of the federal tax credits. Right. Uh, many of the members there are looking for opportunities to invest in, you know, U.S. technology companies that they otherwise might not see. Right. So you see mostly, um, I mean, just I'm just curious, a lot. so the Kuritsu chapter, like uh, the members are, uh, the B, of the BC chapter, do you see most of their investment being made in Canadian companies then in, in a minority in the U.S.? Or is it about half and half? Or is it... Well, they joined Kretsu to make investments in, in, in non-Vancouver-based companies, right. obviously, although we do syndicate, you know, four to six companies from Vancouver through the network each year. Uh, so we certainly look to back the companies that they're supporting in their local area. Uh, but they definitely want access to, you know, the best of global deal flow from our group. And that's why they participate with the forum. And that's why they participate in the fund. Right. Hey, I think there's like, I think one of the things that's, um, that people I don't maybe misunderstand about Kretsu is, there's a lot that you do for people who are trying to raise angel money before before you say to them they're going to pitch at any group or they're, they're going to have to pay any yeah. amount of money to pitch anywhere. And I mean, you guys have like talking about best practices. You guys have a long list of things you do for companies just from the minute you meet them. And yeah. and there's a lot of value there to be derived from 
people seeking angel money in town, even if you ultimately don't pitch. I mean, isn't that, isn't that true? Oh, yes. We're very open sourced in the way that we do things. Uh, our membership is key and core, but we allow folks to participate, come as guests to our meetings, uh, get a chance to observe the process at the forum level. Uh, we also have a chance for companies to come to our deal screening. Uh, again, there's there's no charge for that. Uh, present in front of 40 or 50 of our most active investors and really get a sense of, you know, am I ready to raise capital or not? Right. And that's a very important part of our step in, you know, indicating for both of our interests, whether it's worth spending 80 to 100 hours in due diligence and really get through to a transaction. We want to make sure we got the support from the core of our group who are the most active check writers. Right. And then we have our monthly due diligence training. So one of the most valuable things we do is we teach due diligence every month, and we trained about 2,000 folks on our due diligence process in the last two or three years. So we encourage people to actively get involved in doing due diligence, uh, help out where you can, learn the process inside now, because ultimately, if you're going to be successful raising capital, you've got to understand the investor due diligence process inside and out, and that's the single biggest barrier that I find why companies don't succeed raising capital. They're, they just they're not don't ready understand. From the diligence point of view. They don't understand the investment buying process. They don't understand how to position themselves to attract capital and to close close the transaction and uh, structure their company appropriately. So, so go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, let's talk about that a bit. So, a lot of the people listening are considering raising money, working on startups. What's your advice for them in terms of how do they how do they prepare themselves for that, and and what are the types of things that uh, angel investors are looking for in that due diligence process that they can kind of um, anticipate and make sure they have the right answers for, like you know what does that what does that process look like when you guys run it? Well, it's a combination of of content and relationships, and so first and foremost, it's it's understanding about themselves and who they are, and having a lot of awareness about you know where they are relative to the ecosystem, and the opportunities that are out there. And then it's understanding their own company inside and out, understanding the financials, understanding the technology, understanding the operations, really doing a a pre-due diligence on themselves, uh, which is very productive. Again, no, none of us as entrepreneurs want to spend years working on something that ultimately just isn't going to go anywhere. So, you know, having that uh, high-level research up front to really validate that, yeah, this is something I want to commit to, I want to put my time, money, effort into it, Get that documented up front is, is very helpful in moving the conversation along. And then getting to the point where, you know, you're at that go-to-market stage where you've got uh, a really realistic plan to be able to bring the company forward, grow value, and increase the uh, potential for the company to have, hopefully, a very positive exit. And that's ultimately the final calculation that investors make is it's a very binary business. We're looking for big hits. And unfortunately, most of the time, we don't get there. We need to do a lot better job of exiting early than we do traditionally. But, you know, the investors are going to say, is this is a team that I believe meets the, you know, pattern of what I've seen before of success and being able to get to the finish line. And so as an entrepreneur, understanding what that pattern looks like, associating yourselves with other successful entrepreneurs. Uh, we're very fortunate within Coretzi Forum that our members have built and sold two or three companies apiece. And we have hundreds of them that are members of our group. So we're able to produce most of our own deal flow internally. And most of the companies that we work with are members of our group. And the CEOs have been with us for a long time. And so if uh, somebody's just getting started raising angel capital, hasn't done it before, it's really a matter of educating yourself and then continue to build a lot of relationships that can help enable you to understand what you need to do to be successful. Uh, so really a combination of the two. 
uh, is what I've seen people be able to uh, put in a lot of hard work and ultimately be successful. And it's it's very gratifying when you see the entrepreneur that wants to learn, wants to be involved, puts in the time, doesn't give up, doesn't get discouraged. They keep cranking at it. And most of the time, they will break through. It usually doesn't happen at the timeline everybody would like it to, um, but it does happen uh, eventually, which is great to see. So the due diligence training you guys do once a month, that's both that's that's both for, for companies seeking capital and for angels themselves who want to learn more about the diligence process. Yeah, if you go to the Kretsuforum.com website, we publish our due diligence handbook. Uh, it's also available in the iTunes store, and maybe we'll be able to link this together with that uh, link to our online due diligence handbook. Uh, all the information's right there uh, in terms of how we do due diligence, how we produce 60 to 80 page due diligence reports, uh, how we organize due diligence teams. And so at the due diligence training, we review the outline, we review each of the different areas, we review what's important about you know, getting interest, generating a due diligence team, getting everybody working, getting the report put together. Uh, we have lots of templates and example reports now um, over the years that we've gathered, and we keep increasing the quality of the examples we give. So that keeps pushing the quality of the reports higher and higher. And then it's really important to update the report on an ongoing basis. So we provide a lot of best practices around investor communication, keeping the diligence report current, and being able to use that as a tool for your your seed round, your seed one, your series A, your bridge round. You know, keeping that current updated every six months is very important. And so the overall culture that we're trying to create is one focused on facts, not opinions. And so we're trying to really validate the realistic assumptions of the company, what the risk factors are, what the opportunity is. If we can mitigate the risks and we can enhance the opportunity through the angels being involved in the company, uh, that's another thing I think entrepreneurs don't understand as much is that the angels really want to be involved. And if they don't feel like angels can have impact, they usually don't invest. And so part of the due diligence is really important to identify the weak points where, in fact, the angels can assist. And that's what pulls in the capital as much as anything. And not every angel can be involved with every company they invest in. It's the key thing to our investment premise is that by having angels around companies at that critical stage, it further enhances the growth potential and increases the ROI for us collectively as an investment group. And it's a matter of having the right people with the right deal at the right time and then organizing that on an ongoing basis to be able to create uh, the best chance for success. Yes, yeah, so I realize every deal is different, but when you guys, uh, for for the sake of people thinking about angel investors and raising money through that channel, when is the right time? What do most companies look like when they come, particularly the ones that are successful in raising money? Uh, you know, where are they in the process? Are they are some of them pre revenue? Do they usually have a, prof, a product that's already built? You know, where do they usually come to you in the process? And and uh, what, you know, what's the best best yeah. possible time? So our target is that go-to-market funding, that half a million to three million to be able to you know acquire customers, grow revenues, expand the beachhead. So that's the target. But we get things a little early, we get things a little late than that. But the product has to be done. You've got to have a, a plan in which to do due diligence on. You have to have a team to do due diligence on. Hopefully, some reference customers to talk with. Now, life science companies are obviously different, and those are more data and science driven and more team-oriented than companies that are able to generate revenues right off the bat that don't have as much regulatory constraints to them. So each industry is a little different in terms of its particular timings and targets. But in general, we're a little later than earlier. 
Uh, we'd rather watch something. We'd rather support it where we can before we get it in front of, uh, you know, four or 500 people and really organize a, a big effort. Uh, it's a large undertaking. And so timing is always something that's very important. And the timing has to be right for the company because they've got to commit a lot of resources to get it done. And the timing has got to be right on the investor half and that you've got to be able to generate enough interest. There's got to be enough there happening to be able to pull enough interest in to be able to get that done to get a successful result. Great. Any uh, any interesting wins lately? I mean, the, the things that you guys have invested in as a as a group that have had have done well over the last I don't know five years or so. Like uh, any uh, hi- highlights you want to talk about? Yeah, we've had a number of uh, nice ones uh, recently. We had uh, Immunomic Therapeutics, which had a great exit this last year. They did a three hundred million dollar license agreement and distributed $100 million of that back out to the initial investors. So everybody got several times their initial investment back, plus we still own all the additional stock, plus they have an additional $250 million from their uh, partnership company that they have. And actually just put together another deal with the University of Washington uh, company uh, also that will hopefully further enhance their pipeline in preparation for a uh, hopeful IPO this next year to give us even a bigger win. Um, so that was a, a nice one for us with Immunomic Therapeutics. Uh, we had uh, uh, Telltale Games did quite well uh, for us for many years, and actually the founders of that uh, company originally have a new company, Virtual Reality Gaming Company, that we're pretty excited about. Looking forward to getting in on that round here uh, in September. They were hoping to come up to our expo next week, but they couldn't quite make it because they had their uh, virtual reality release happening at the same time. Uh, we recently sold uh, uh, a company, uh, Lake Concierge, uh, I think is going to close for hopefully $150 million for us. That announcement just was out uh, a week ago. Uh, so we're getting pretty good results on the exit side and uh, pretty consistently here every month, every two months. We're, uh, we've got a lot of ducks on the pond, so we're certainly very focused on exit. Uh, that's an area that angel groups traditionally have not realized the returns that they should. And if you look at Basil Peter's work, who I'm sure you guys have interviewed or will at some point, you know, he talks about how there's a huge amount of unrealized gains when it comes to exits and angels, because we all want the 10x, so we don't want to take the 2 or 3x, but more often than not, we probably should, unless we really know it's going to be a big win. And uh, that's an area we're very focused on going forward in the angel movement is to really professionalize our exit teams and being much more pragmatic about uh, getting returns earlier and more often for us so we can have much more consistent exit data uh, on our companies. Uh, but that is an area we need to continue to improve. So you mentioned the Expo, the Angel Capital Expo, going to be next Thursday, August 13th. It's an all-day affair. It's out of Microsoft. And after after the after the day, the day starts at eight thirty, and the day ends at formally at five. But then or five thirty, then there's a wine reception. Tell us about this. This is a big deal. You have a ton of people coming. Yeah, this is the premier gathering of the angel capital community. An event we started uh, about eight years ago, and it rotates around the world. And uh, this is our month hosted here at Microsoft. Uh, we'll have uh, eighteen uh, companies, uh, twelve presentations, six updates. Companies from all around the country, all around the world, that'll be uh, participating in the event. Uh, the very best of our uh, Kretsu Capital-backed companies and some new opportunities as well. They're just getting started. Uh, so it's an opportunity for folks who are uh, new to angel investing, be able to take a look at some really high-quality deal flow and get an idea of what's out there. Uh, and we also have a lot of family offices and other uh, groups coming in to look at our portfolio for follow-on funding 
uh, as well. So it should be a great event. Uh, it's at Microsoft next Thursday, uh, August uh, 18th, and uh, details are online at uh, k4northwest.com. That's great. So, so Nathan, yeah, we do a lot of talk. We talk to a lot of founders, and uh, it's always kind of fun to talk about, hey, what were you, what were you doing uh, that led you to this place? I, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear how. You, like, I'd love to hear a little bit, a little, little bit of the evolution of your of your career and the, and your life. I'd love to hear that. I think people like to hear those kind of stories. I like to hear how people got to where they got. Yeah, it's been a fun ride, uh, and it's been a ride, uh, roller coaster from the beginning. Uh, I got started during the dot com craze in the late nineties, and I uh, was at school at the University of Washington in the in the entrepreneurship and, and venture program there. Uh, which is fascinating. I got a chance to hear strategic communications originally present in my class, and I sold for I think 180 million a couple years later. But <clears throat> got the entrepreneurial yeah, that bug. The, that was the T9, <clears throat> the, the texting, mm-hmm. the T9 texting company. Yeah, great Seattle company. Yeah, Bill Valenti's company, terrific. And just uh, started getting involved in doing research on angel investing while I was still at the University of Washington. We did a, a research paper. We interviewed about 25 different business angels, and so I had a chance. Uh, to sit down with real life angels back when I was, you know, 22 years old and get a chance to hear how they did deals, you know, how they organized, talk to a few of the different group leaders at the time and, you know, try to figure out how do these formal and informal groups operate, you know, because he had some groups that were very organized and we had a lot of groups where they, you know, they met at the Denny's on Mercer Island and that's how deals used to get funded back in the day. And so kind of a historical look at the angel and venture community as well as at the time during the dot-com there was a need for a lot of capital, and, and that was, you know, changing the landscape around angel investing in Seattle with the amount of wealth that was being created. And so after I graduated, I went to work. Um, the conclusions from our research was basically that people didn't talk to each other. There was a lot of silos of investors around Seattle, and it was an opportunity to put on an event that would bring all those different silos together. And so myself, together with a group of other industry organizations and angel groups, we put together the first early stage investment forum, brought together 16 different investment groups, and we had 300 investors at the Westin Hotel in what is in many ways a precursor to the Angel Capital Expo that we're doing next Thursday. It's a lot of the things that we did at that event back in May of 2000 that we're still doing today. And we raised $30 million for 17 companies at that event, and I was doing much of the same thing I was I will be doing next Thursday. I was on the stage, 23 years old, and introducing companies and uh, to investors back um, what year was at that? that first event. What year was that? That was the year 2000, May okay. of 2000, right before the dot bomb quickly hit. As I mentioned, it had been a roller coaster ride yeah. here over the course of my career. And so that was definitely a high watermark. And then what things the quickly. Uh, what was the NASDAQ at that day? Yeah, probably right where it is right now, you know, a little best. I think, I think it was around 5,400 or something before it crashed, right? Mm hmm. So that was a pretty, uh, pretty painful time. Uh, but we kept going. Uh, we did about 45 events over the next five years. We did the Venture All Stars, we did the Venture Map. Uh, we supported and promoted a lot of great Northwest tech companies. Uh, we had a screening committee of VCs and angels that would identify the most promising new companies. And we did events at Safeco Field right after the All-Star Game, right after 9-11. Uh, we did events at Seahawks Stadium, Chateau Saint-Michel Winery. And in 2005, we rolled everything in to become the Kretzi Forum, part of the Northwest region, opened up our Seattle chapter. And uh, since then, we've been the fastest-growing angel investment group in the world up to 460 members and uh, six chapters now, 12 years later. So 
Um, it's been a lot of fun along the way, but we've had a lot of bumps in the road. So we've been through a lot of very significant downturns and then back up. And I'm very hopeful that we have a few more years of uh, green pasture in front of us here because we got some continued ground to make up to where we want to be. But uh, overall, the course of my career, the last 15 years, it's never been better time to raise capital than today. A um, lot of capital out there, and it's a great time to be an entrepreneur. The same time Seattle's really come around, the Northwest has really come of age. We still need more investors here. We still need a more active capital markets and financing community. Uh, but we're building the capital hub. We will fill in that gap in our entrepreneurial community here over the next few years. We've got the resources coming to bear to do that. And so very excited and optimistic about Seattle's an innovation cluster going forward, competing on the global stage on par with the rest of the 10 or 15 around the world doing just well. So, so, you, so you, okay, I was say, you, you, you see a lot of deal deal flow and you get uh, you get you have a pretty good insight, I would expect, into, you know, what investors are looking for right now. And so, so I guess I have two two questions. One is. You know, what kind of trends are you seeing right now in terms of the types of companies that are pitching and, and looking for funding and that are getting started in the area? And then the other side of that would be, you know, what what are you finding from your investor community in terms of what their appetite looks like? What, what types of deals are they looking for? Are there technology areas that they're particularly uh, excited about? Um, you know, just kind of trends and in, in, in kind of what types of companies are are most interesting at the moment. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we we try and be very diverse. So that's what's great about this job is we get to see a whole variety of opportunities um, from ostrich farms to kitty litter to space rockets to um, all the great things coming out of, of Microsoft and, uh, and Google and other places. So um, I would say on the life sciences side, we're continuing to see a ton of growth in the health IT area. Uh, all of our health IT companies are doing very, very well. And the new ones that we're looking at, although there is more competition, there continues to be a lot of forward advancement, which is very encouraging in those areas. On healthcare the, IT. Yeah. On the, you know, making hospitals more efficient, making healthcare, you know, the data analysis that's uh, happening within our healthcare industry is, is very exciting uh, across the board. There's some real space age stuff around, uh, personalized medicine and DNA analysis and all kinds of things that are very cool in those areas have a lot of very high potential for impacting how everything happens around here. Uh, and then on the software technology side, uh, again, SaaS platforms and business models are very encouraging. Uh, a lot of health and wellness type of uh, uh, quantitative analytics uh, continue to be popular. And then on the... Uh, you know, we like real estate. We like uh, other types of alternative investments. So uh, we continue to see investors very hungry for yield. Uh, most all of our real estate funds that, you know, yield, you know, 10 to 14 percent are all adding significant assets on a monthly basis. Uh, so we continue to see a, a pretty large growth in our, our real estate portfolio at the same time. What is what does that piece look like? So you, in addition to sort of investing in startups as, as a group, do you identify commercial properties or what, what type of – what does the real estate side of things look like? So it's fascinating. There are at least as many entrepreneurial opportunities to make money in real estate as there is in technology. And I am always amazed at how people figure out how to make money in real estate. And uh, so we see that as just as much an entrepreneur class as life science and as gaming and as internet and e-commerce and software 
is real estate. And oftentimes that takes the form of a small balance real estate fund where people are engaging in uh, transactions anywhere from a half million to a couple million bucks. And they're able to generate returns of 15 to 25% return either by lending money or investing money or developing properties, uh, developing accessory dwelling units in Portland to doing storage to doing senior housing. And so we so have a are, whole variety of very experienced fund managers that we work with in Koretsu. They're an integral part of our community. And our members are looking for collective return on investment. And as you know, the banks aren't paying very much right now. So, uh, you know, the worst our members do is typically, you know, 10 to 13% return <clears throat> annualized from a whole variety of our real estate funds that we have as part of our group. So do entrepreneurs that are in the real estate space come to you and say, hey, we got a plan. We want to we want to buy an apartment building and we want you to invest in it. Or is it is it more it, like so does it look like your typical angel investment in that sense or is it something different? It's a little different, but the parallels are exactly the same. So the due diligence process is exactly the same. <clears throat> and, yeah, we've done it where we've looked, OK, we want to buy this particular apartment building. We're going to fix it up. <clears throat> or we're going to lend money to that apartment building. So we have a whole group of fund managers. That's what they do. They're hmm. real estate deal makers. And so if somebody comes to us with a project, we can usually pair them up with somebody who is used to structuring capital for that project, or we can bring it in front of the group and fund it. Um, but the best way for an angel investor who's like a technology person to invest in real estate is through somebody who does it as a fiduciary, as a fund manager, and that's their expertise Obviously, they get paid to do it, but it's a lot better than the, the technology person trying to learn real estate, just like it's not a good idea for the real estate folks to try and figure out which technology is going to hit. And so we work those two together in a way that you know balances out the equation in a very productive way for the tech folks and for the, the real estate side of the equation. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so, so you touched on something earlier um, when you said um, that you thought that Maybe the primary reason uh, early some early stage companies had trouble raising funds was simply because they weren't they weren't adequately prepared for the diligence process. They didn't know how the investors were thinking about things from a diligence point of view. So they didn't structure themselves, they didn't just present themselves in the right way. Maybe you could yeah. maybe give us a little more just a little more detail on that. I realize it's co probably covered in your app on the app store. This due diligence, you've outsourced your due diligence or open sourced your due diligence binder. Yep. Uh, which has got to be super helpful. But, but I'd love to hear some more about that. The number one reason why you know companies don't raise money is, is just they're not structured correctly to begin with. And uh, in general, uh, no offense to our legal community, uh, but most attorneys aren't very good at, at structuring finance transactions. And so I find a lot of entrepreneurs get a lot of bad advice in general. And or they just don't get any advice and they just kind of make up whatever they think is a good number and a good thing. And so when it comes to putting together your, your founders round, your founding team, it's a critical point in the company. And if you do it right, it's going to create a lot of momentum. If you do it wrong, it's going to create a huge amount of dead weight. Uh, then you're looking at bringing investors on board and advisors on board. Again, you got to create capacity. you got to create incentive. And I find most entrepreneurs just don't do that. They don't take advantage of the fact that they have the opportunity to get a lot of people with a vested interest in their success. And so a lot of times you see the cap table and you got two people on it. You know, you got three people on it. Well, great. But concentrating the, the, the capitalization of the company at that stage of the company 
is usually a very bad idea because you know you're you're light on capital and you're you're heavy on passion and opportunity. And again, you want to have a control structure in place, but you still want to be able to spread around some shares and be able to get a lot of smart people helping you move this company forward. That's what I talk about creating momentum and you know creating a lot of people with a collective interest in seeing this company grow and have access to the resources it needs to be successful. Then when it comes to structuring the finance transaction, the biggest thing entrepreneurs need to understand is that angels, in general, the way most financing transactions are structured, their incentive is to wait. Their incentive is to be the last check-in because there's nothing extra for them to be the first check-in. And so most of the time, entrepreneurs are sitting around waiting for someone or waiting for a large amount of capital to accumulate. And if you're raising money on a retail basis, that just doesn't happen. And so what we counsel our companies on and the way we structure our transactions is a way where it creates a very large incentive for the first investors in. And again, it's still the same percentage of the company, but it's split up in a way where the first investors in end up with about twice as much stock as the last investor in the com- in the particular round of funding. And if you're able to structure that out in a way round, around around, you can see your share price going up 20%. You know, every six months or so as you're raising capital and what you need, the investors are feeling good, they're putting more money in, and you create a lot of positive momentum around that. But I find a lot of entrepreneurs, they really don't have anybody to help them with that particular piece of the capital structure and the investor relations plan around what they're trying to do. And so a lot of the content that we provide on the structuring side is around exactly that. You know, how to create incentive for investors to invest in your company today, engage in your company today. And then be able to, you know, access what you need to be able to grow and know that as you build these relationships, there's so much wealth in our community. I mean, we have members that have a few million. We have members that have hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, there's no lack of capital out there. What there's a lack of is creating the capacity for that capital to flow, for those relationships to develop. And as the company grows and achieves its objectives, believe me, we'll, you know, we'll find the funding. You know, we, we've got access to that. Uh, but we've got to have a story that works where the company can get off the dime and just get the funding flowing, get the money coming in, get the round open, get the river flowing in, get the nourishment coming into the company. And I see so many companies go around and they've got a term sheet and they've got a deal, but they never transact. They never get that first check. They never get the momentum going to the point where they can ultimately be successful in getting the resources they need to be able to move the company into the marketplace. Yeah, so how can it let's say so we got two groups of people that, that may want to reach out to you. <clears throat> One would be, you know, how do how do entrepreneurs reach out to you if they wanted to, to get involved with the organization and maybe pitch to the to the group? And then, you know, if if any of the listeners out there are interested in, in becoming angel investors or learning more about it, how do they get involved with that? Yeah, folks can reach out to me, uh, certainly. Uh, reach out to Joe. Reach out to uh, any of our members and our team. Uh, we have a full-time entrepreneur director, a full-time due diligence director. Jeff Hayton is our membership director. Sherry Zins is the president of the chapter. Uh, I'm very focused on the Kretsu Capital side of the equation uh, currently. So uh, for folks who are interested in just you know attending as a guest, uh, I would say you know talk to our entrepreneur director, talk to our due diligence director, come to one of our open due diligence trainings or other events that we have that are uh, more open to the public, more the educational programs. If folks are interested in getting involved on the investment side, uh, I can definitely talk to Sherry or myself. Uh, They're welcome to come as our guests to the meetings, as we mentioned, to get a chance to learn about the benefits of being involved with the professional angel group. 
and uh, our co-investment funds and see if it's a fit. And most of the time it's not, honestly. Um, we have 40 or 50 guests that come a month and four to five join. Uh, so most people just don't have the appetite in the stomach to ultimately participate at the level that's required to do this kind of investing. Uh, but that's okay, too. We've got different vehicles where people can be more passively involved in allocating capital to this asset class that haven't been available before now, On that too. note, do you, do you guys do AngelList syndicates? I've forgotten. We have uh, one of our companies is syndicating with uh, Barbara Corcoran's. Actually, I just talked to Phil yesterday about Perkville uh, uh, that they're going to put out. Uh, we've tried a couple. Yeah. We do have our syndicates set up. Folks are welcome to go there yeah. and join. Uh, most of our investors are more person-to-person. Right. And so... AngelList, I found, is uh, a very much a Bay Area phenomenon okay. in terms of its center of gravity. And we've yeah. talked to some of the owners of the top 10 or 15 syndicates on AngelList about how we can basically take our deal flow that we've vetted, we've backed, we've invested in, and, and you know really partner with others that have right. managed that uh, syndication system. It hasn't something we've developed a core expertise in yet. Uh, probably eventually we'll have a little bit more activity there. But most of the companies currently raise money offline with us, but we are seeing the online syndication platforms be able to deliver, you know, 300,000 to a half million. And as we come companies that mature and are looking for B rounds, we're looking for 5 million. We see those online syndication platforms as being a very productive way to add more capital to the syndicates that we're leading online and offline uh, going forward here. So that continues to be a focus of us this next year to find out who can actually deliver capital to quality transactions. So, uh, yeah, one last time. Let's just go over the, let's just go over the expo details. So the expo is uh, going to be next Thursday, August 13th. It's going to be out at Microsoft Building number 37 in Redmond. It's from 8.30 to 5. Uh, afterwards, you're going to have a, a reception, networking reception, and you're going to have 18 companies there, six updates, 12 new companies. And there's going to be companies from all over the place, not just Seattle. Although there's probably some Seattle companies in that mix for sure. There's a few, but uh, most of them are from around our, our global network. Again, this is our best of deal flow from uh, across the, the network that's coming to Seattle uh, to showcase uh, these opportunities. And we do have a number of, of terrific local companies that will be there uh, as well. Uh, so, yeah, next Thursday, August uh, 18th, will be at Microsoft uh, all day. So people are interested, you can go to uh, K, the number four, Northwest, K4Northwest.com, and uh, all the details are there. Uh, if you don't know, uh, members are free. Uh, member guests are free. Uh, if you don't know a member, uh, if you're interested in attending, uh, just reach out to myself or one of our team members, and uh, we'll chat with you, uh, see if it's a good fit. Uh, again, it is for accredited investors, uh, this particular event, uh, and we expect to be at capacity next week at this point. So um, if not, again, we do have our monthly forum roadshow, uh, Tacoma, Vancouver, Kirkland, Seattle, Portland. We do the five-day full roadshow every other month of the year and really encourage folks if they want to attend uh, at any point throughout the year to reach out, and we're happy to have you as a guest at uh, no cost. Well, thanks, Nathan. I really appreciate you being on the show. And uh, everybody else, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.